Craft Beer Radio presents the 2012 Saver Salons. For the fifth year, we recorded the salons at Saver. This year, there were 18 in all, six educational salons and 12 private tasting salons. You can find all the Saver podcasts, including ones from the past five years, all on our website at craftbeerradio.com. Rare Beers of the Tar Heel State. Brewers from Foothill Brewing, Highland Brewing Company, Mother Earth Brewing, and Natty Green's Brewing Company each showcase a rare beer from their vaults. Good evening. I'm Carolyn Smigalski, the Beer Fox. I'm a beer writer. I'm a freelance beer writer. I'm the editor of Beer and Brewing at Bella Online, which is the voice of women on the Internet. I also write about society, culture, and health at beerlovers.com, and I write for a bunch of magazines, too, and you don't need to hear that, because if you've come across it, that's me. I'm Carolyn Smigalski. Saver is brought to you by the Brewers Association, which is the national nonprofit uh, association for craft brewers who are small and independent across the United States. They also... um, present besides Saver, they do a little festival called the Great American Beer Festival in Denver, Colorado. Have any of you been there? Nobody. Okay. Well, that's something for your bucket list. Okay. And they also are the publishers of craftbeer.com. We'd like to thank the supporters who help us make Saver possible. So I'm going to have a little test afterwards and ask you if you remember all these. <laughs> Not. Um, Rise Beverage, Raise Beverage Group, Abita Brewing Company, Brewery Omagong, Dogfish Head Craft Brewery, Sam Adams and CraftBeer.com. Have you heard of any of those yet? You have, okay. Allagash Brewing Company, Boulevard Brewing Company, this is where I talk really fast. The Bre- Brooklyn Brewery, Devil's Backbone, Flying Dog Ales. Full Sail Brewing Company, New Belgium Brewing Company, who is moving to North Carolina. Rogue Ales and Saranac, Sierra Nevada, also moving to North Carolina. Brewers Supply Group, Draft Magazine, GreatBrewers.com, National Beer Wholesalers Association, Oak Beverages, and Spiegelow. And speaking of Spiegelow, you have Spiegelow glassware tonight. You are welcome to take those glasses with you. And bear in mind that these glasses, if you've drank out of a pint glass, these glasses are awesome. They're thin and they're beautiful and they're durable. So take them with you and make sure that you enjoy them. All Saver Salons are recorded for podcast listening by craftbeerradio.com and will be available for listening to after the event. I'll be on the side here. So understand the acoustics in this room, even though it seems like you can say something to us and we can clearly hear you. Because of the acoustics in the room, we wouldn't be able to hear you on the podcast. So make sure if you have any questions or comments that you raise your hand and I'll gladly just run out to you and throw this microphone right in your face and you'll get your 30 seconds of fame. Tonight we're doing the rare beers of the Tar Heel State. We have four presenters for you. So this is, in my opinion, the grand slam of savor. So you're very lucky to be here tonight. North Carolina is just the most rockin' state. There's something going on there that is just amazing. I'm going to keep it brief so that these gentlemen can start talking. 
So from Foothills Brewing Company in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, we have T.L. the Brewer. Raise your hand so they know who you are. <laughs> from Highland Brewing Company in Rockin' Asheville, North Carolina, we have John Lida. He's the VP and Brewmaster. From Environmentally Friendly Mother Earth Brewing Company in Kinston, North Carolina, we have Josh the Brewer. Josh Brewer the Brewer. How's that for having a great name, huh? And from Natty Green's Brewing Company in Raleigh, the Director of Brewing Operations, Sebastian Wolfram. Bear in mind that this group is helping to put North Carolina on the map as one of the best beer states in the nation. Gentlemen, take it away. I guess so. Hello. Um, I'm TL. I'm the head brewer at Foothills Brewing in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, we are a, we started out as a brew pub in downtown Winston um, on a 15-barrel system. I uh, started selling a few kegs, and uh, within, I guess, about six years, uh, we ended up uh, moving into a production facility on the west side of Winston. Uh, we still currently operate our brew pub, although uh, other than a few seasonals made there, uh, pretty much everything made there is now consumed on premise. Uh, the production end of it has like I said, moved on to a 50-barrel system on the west side of town. That facility, um, we'll be able to grow in that one. Uh, as far as how big we'll be able to get, uh, I have no idea. Um, our main focus is just kind of within about a 400-mile radius of Winston-Salem. And uh, to my knowledge, that's pretty much all it is going to be. Um, obviously, D.C. fits that. So um, eventually we will be up here, um, probably a year or so. Uh, I think right now the closest you can get our beer is Charlottesville, I believe, if my geography is correct. Um, but, um, you know, we make uh, mainly, most of the beers we're known for are either our dark beers or our hoppy beers. Um, the uh, sexual chocolate we have tonight is uh, Imperial Stout. Um, that beer is aged on organic cocoa nibs for three weeks, so um, it hit us this year. Actually, we were timing was great. We were pulling production out of the brew pub right when it came time to make this this year. So uh, last year we ran into major problems with it, as far as jamming up our tanks uh, at the smaller facility. Um, you know, it takes several weeks to uh, ferment, and then um, you know, after that, we're sitting on cocoa nibs for three weeks, and it's just kind of sitting there. Um, so, Do we uh, want to start pouring some of this beer? Yeah, that'd be great. I think um, everybody's dying. He's talking right? about cocoa nibs and stuff, and I am sitting over here saying, oh, my God, I want to taste some of this. <laughs> and I think all of you are saying, wow, bring it on, huh? Y'all didn't pay to hear me talk, that's for sure. Um, and this is sexual chocolate? Yeah, sexual chocolate. Oh, man, it sounds like a night. 
Well, yeah, and a lot of things, uh, a lot of people when they first try this beer, uh, the word chocolate in, them ten in the beer tends to make people think, you know, it's aged on chocolate. It's not. It's raw cocoa nibs, so it's a completely different, uh, you know, obviously there's no sugar, no cocoa butter. Uh, so that, uh, that kind of um, gives it almost kind of a, uh, every now and then I've heard it described as bordering on smoky almost, but from the cocoa nibs. But I mean, that is, that is us, I guess, kind of in a nutshell. Um, does anybody have any questions about this beer or about foothills or anything along those lines? Do you think that it smells a little bit roasty? Is there some chocolate malt in that as yes, well? Yes, there is. Okay. Yeah, there's chocolate, there's, there's black, there's uh, roasted, I mean, you know, pretty much traditional stout, uh, dark roasted malts. Don't forget that one in the middle. That's mine. Yes. <laughs> Fill it up right to the top. No, that I'm kidding. sexual chocolate already in there, so feel free to. Thank you. A little bit. Now, of course, these That's beers, as they warm, they, they change a little bit, too, and they get better. They don't get worse like some of those fizzy yellow drinks you might have tasted. What do you think of this? Has everybody tasted it? I'm getting a lot of nods. That's good. Yeah, like I said, this beer is kind of, uh, in some ways, uh, kind of what we're known for more than anything. Uh, although it is a very small, uh, you know, obviously the whole rare, uh, it's a very small portion of what we do. Um, you know, currently right now we're looking at doing a lot more small batch stuff out of the brew pub. Um, that is still just now starting to materialize. I mean, like I said, we're kind of in a transition phase right now. Um, but uh, as, you know, if you guys, Winston's not that far. If you make it down that way, please stop by the brew pub. Uh, there's no telling what you'll find. Yes. The line this year started at about, uh, I think it was about 12.10 the night before. Uh, it went on sale at 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, you had a long line for this? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it, uh, yeah it's kind of crazy. Uh, we <laughs> have... Um, <laughs> We've had to hire, uh, it's, yeah, it's gotten out of hand. Um, they, uh, it's like an icon then. It, well, yeah. An, an I mean, iconic it's, beer. It's, I know, I, I can't explain it. I don't know. I mean, it just, you know, people, we have a pre, what we call a pre-sex party the uh, night before. <laughs> a pre-sex party. Pre-sex oh, party. Oh, boy, I really like and, that. Um, we allow people to come into the back of the brewery and, um, you know, we allow people to bring in uh, other rare beers to taste and stuff. And uh, we don't uh, actually have the sexual chocolate on tap back there. We will tap it up in the front of the restaurant. But back there, we'll break out some other of our more rare bourbon barrel aged stuff. Um, other North Carolina breweries, a uh, few of them bring their beers. Um, you know, in fact, it's a welcome invitation to any of you guys. Um, and. Uh, you know, we've ha we have that going on, and then, you know, uh, the uh, local homebrew club uh, brings a lot of their stuff in, and, um, you know, it's just kind of a private thing in the back. Well, it's private, but it's not like we, you it's know. It's private, but not private. It's private, but not private, right. Mm. Um, and then, usually, those people kind of feed off each other, and they'll end up in line by, like, you know, like I said, I think it's about 10 after 12, 
and then we closed the pub at two, you know, state law, and uh, we opened again at eight, and then start letting them in. And usually we'll sell. Um, I'm trying to think what we did this year. I think it was about uh, right at two thousand bottles in about three hours. So. So they camp on the sidewalk. Yes. Basically. Yes, they well. Yeah, and uh, you know. Sounds like a party to me. <laughs> yeah, they kind of uh, they'll set up little tent cities at some of the you know offices that close on Friday. They'll you know it, it's almost like kind of a kind of like a tailgating type atmosphere. Uh, that's fun, but you definitely see some people that are looking rough at about eight ten in the morning. So. <laughs> so they start drinking this at eight ten, or do they just buy it at eight ten? I go home and go to bed. I mean, I don't you know. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not that much of a night owl. Now there are, there is more of this. So after you've tasted the four beers, if you want some more, you can certainly raise your hand and they'll bring you some more. Okay. I taste a little bit of like licorice in this and yeah. chocolate and roastiness and yeah, all that's from, you know, all that all is just, oh dogs. man, my tongue is just right. on, you know, it's really excited. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, th those are all the roasted malts that are used in there. That's but, great. Uh, the ABV this year was just a, I think it was like just a hair over nine. This year we were, uh, I think we were running about nine two this year. Okay. Uh, yeah, it varies a little bit year to year as far as the alcohol by volume, but not much. Very nice. Anybody have any questions at this point? Do you have a wall of wood? Pardon me? Do you have a wall of wood, I mean, where you have these I mean, do you have barrel-aged beers or uh, what exactly? Barrel racks. Barrel I mean, racks. You know, same uh -huh. thing as you know, like a, a small winery or whatever. I mean, it's just you know, they basically just two racks, and you know, you can drive a forklift and move them around. But we just stack them, and you know, now they've actually got a barrel-aging room, but we don't. I mean, we just they're just sitting out in the brewery. Nice. Well, let's corner. hear about the barrel-aging room. What was your question? I'm do sorry. you have a question? Wait. Okay, a group of people from Richmond drove all the way up for this wonderful sexual chocolate you know, festivities. And I was just curious, is that extremely far? Have you had people drive from even farther just for this? How far do you know? Has someone told you? You were like, wow, that's crazy. You drove all the way here for this. The first guy in line this year was from Washington State. So um, That's pretty far. Yeah. It, you know, it, it varies year to year. Um, you know, uh, normally the people, if they're traveling that far, those, I mean, we had a guy one year from Oregon, uh, I guess it was last year, he flew in, hit the Greensboro airport, which is, you know, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes from the pub. He hit the airport at 11 o'clock at night, was the first guy in line, and had a plane to catch at 9.30 Saturday morning to get back. So he basically flew in, got in line, got beer, got on a plane, and went back. So uh, I think this year uh, the state representation was, it, it was a little down from previous years, uh, but I still think there was like 22 states represented. So yeah, Ma mainly the Southeast, obviously. You know, the, the vast majority of people are locals, but there are people that do travel from all over. So. Any other questions? Well, I'm anxious to hear from Josh the Brewer too. Josh Brewer, the brewer. You just don't want to be on the spotlight anymore. 
we are a production facility out of Kinston, North Carolina. So we're in eastern North Carolina called Mother Earth Brewing. Uh, we've been brewing beer for the last two and a half years now. Uh, our first year was, I think, about 1,500 barrels. Last year was about 34, 3,500 barrels, and this year we're on uh, track to do about seven-ish thousand barrels. And we have uh, four uh, bottled products that we, that we do, which is a, a Kolsch, a Wit, an IPA, and a Munich Dunkel. And then we have seasonals that are throughout the year. In the spring, we do a barrel age, uh, whiskey barrel age, Belgian triple. And then in, when we come out in the first week of December, we have a beer called Silent Night, which is uh, an imperial stout brewed with coffee and molasses and aged in whiskey barrels, um, not too far away from... Um, and what and beer is this that we're having? So that is... Uh, my friend John Lida's beer, and <laughs> we can we can Wrong go beer. to him since they're open, and then I'll. Uh, We're looking for the Mother Earth beer. Should be uh, a cork in a cage, topped, uh, and it says peach all over it. Correct. Where's your? We just want to make sure you get the right you beer <laughs> for the right moment. Okay, I'll, yeah, peaches. They found it. So all, now all of John's beers are just breathing nicely, and it'll be the best when we get to it. So, Sorry, John. <laughs> That's all right. Um, we, uh, we are pretty sustainable at our, at our place. We, we're uh, going through our LEED certification right now, and we should be one of the uh, first LEED certified breweries in the United States. We're going for our uh, gold LEED certification right now. Uh, we have about a, a six kilowatt solar system that runs our tap room. Uh, we have cisterns that um, the roofs run into for rain that we uh, use for all our watering around the brewery, and we have hot plants and such around the brewery. Um, we um, have Trent and Stephen are the owners of our our brewery, and they hired me as the the brewmaster. And uh, we've been very, very busy lately, and they decided to come out with this new series of beers because they thought I wasn't busy enough, which is real great. Uh, so this is uh, the series of beers called window, the Window Pane Series. So it is uh, basically four beers that come out every quarter, and uh, this is actual... The dates have started to come a little bit looser and looser, but this is uh, the... It's supposed to be the second quarter, so this is off a pilot batch. Um, but the first one, which is downstairs, so if you visit us downstairs at our booth, we have a beer that's our, basically our, our wit recipe doubled, and it's fermented with blackberries and then aged in a Pinot Noir barrel. So that's what we have downstairs. So that's the first series of the window pane. This is now the second. So this is an American wheat beer that's doubled, so it's about 78%. And it is fermented with peaches and aged in a Chardonnay barrel. And then the next one will be a raspberry. So these are all kind of things that we can locally get in North Carolina for us. Um, delicate, delicate, beautiful beer. It's really beautiful. Thank you. It's been about a month since I've had it, so I don't mind if I do. Well, 
it's a little bit unusual to have the darker beer first and then go to this lighter beer. So you might find that you need to cleanse your palate a little bit and then the second flavor that you get out of this, you start having that peach emerge and all that wheat. It's delicious. Agreed. Absolutely so, delicious. So we have a little bit of uh, uh, you know, some wheatiness from the American wheat beer and then some peaches uh, that are coming through. Uh, there's a little bit of tart, acidic, uh, and some sour. Uh, generally, when you have any time in a wine barrel, uh, you will pick up some wild bugs because there was wine in it before. You don't get that from spirit barrels. Uh, so it's aged about three months uh, in a Chardonnay barrel. So there is a slight um, sourness to it, which along with the blackberry that's downstairs, it still has a, a slight. So uh, generally, I like to be kind of the non-extremist, slightly mellow with hints of everything. So, I mean, if I left it go for six months, it would be super, super sour. So I like it where it's still this happy medium of some sourness uh, with, you know, some of that Chardonnay taste, but you can still get a little bit of the base beer uh, with some peaches. So um, I would love this as a morning beer. This is a perfect morning beer. Somebody downstairs like an hour ago was tasting the blackberry version, and she said she wanted to have like, you know, some sort of blueberry or blackberry like Belgian waffle in the morning and then have the blackberry beer oh, with it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's probably a pretty good idea. I could easily have but. this in the morning. <laughs> How about you? Do you think? Yeah, they're, everybody's shaking their head. They agree. Does anybody have any questions? For me about the the beer our facility or i can m none of my employees are here so i can talk a, really bad about all <laughs> them if you would like and uh, these are chardonnay <laughs> barrels that yeah, you bar yeah. that you age this in do yeah. you get other barrels as well or where do, and where do you get those yeah barrels? for the most part they're all coming from uh northern part of california is the pinot noir and the chardonnay barrels and then the last one in the series is actually a um a Belgian, it's a loose interpretation of a Belgian double that's uh, fermented with figs and raisins and then uh, aged in apple brandy barrels. And the apple brandy barrels come from a distillery that's out of Lenore, North Carolina, towards the mountains called Carriage House. So that's kind of getting away from the wine side of it, um, but it's still, again, a fruit series beer in the window pane. So. Did you get your name sorted out? And wasn't there a lawsuit involving that with the California brewery? Uh, I mean, that's still ongoing, but we won't be changing our name to answer your question. <laughs> Anybody else? I like your name. It's beautiful. Thank you. We question here. Is this bottled at all, or is it only on draft? Excuse me? Is this bottled and distributed, or is it only on draft? Uh, it will see both. So the window pane series basically sees these large format cork and cage bottles. Uh, and, the, and the full production batch is, I have it on schedule on Monday when I get back. So this, this is the pilot version of it, uh, and the full production will be on Monday, uh, and then age for three months. So uh, again, Obviously, the 
quarter schlack time in there. I'm going to be a little late, so. And how many states are you distributing in? <clears throat> uh, we are in North Carolina. Uh, we have about a thousand accounts in North Carolina between restaurants and bars. Uh, and we just went into Atlanta market about a month ago. And then we have roughly just a handful of accounts here that we just sent beer to, and that's probably about the way it's going to stay. So we'll just kind of trickle here and stay here for you know a little bit, probably not build it too much, but we wanted to be here to start out here for a little bit. So basically our main market's North Carolina, and then try to go as slow as we can into the Atlanta market just because they could probably eat us alive pretty fast. So. Well, I think D.C. and Maryland and maybe Pennsylvania really need you. <laughs> Where all, else? All in due time. Virginia also, yes. All right, thank you. Thank you. Do another we have question? another question? Whoop. My, my wife over here is really embarrassed to ask, but she really enjoyed your winter stout. It was neighborhood something maybe a year ago. Uh, old neighborhood. That that's probably a, it. Yes. Yeah, it's like fall seasonal oatmeal fall porter. Seasonal. She loved it, but we could never remember the name. So. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorites, but it uh, doesn't come out to the fall, so I always look forward to it. And we have another one. One more. I was just wondering how many peaches you have to have to go into this beer. Like maybe millions of peaches, <laughs> for, peaches for me. Uh, from like a like from how many pounds go in like a a batch? Uh, well, I I could break it down into like one U.S. barrel is thirty one gallons, and there's probably about seventeen or eighteen pounds of peaches in each barrel. But once we get to the full production batch, it's a little less than that, just from the standpoint of what it would take to get all the peaches through the manway door of the fermenter while you're knocking out into it. So uh, there's a little less. So this might be a little tiny bit higher on the peach side than the than the regular production batch, but they're they're not too far away from each other. So. Well, I think we have another beer that's breathing right now, don't we? Thanks, everybody. <laughs> All right, you're, uh, we're, we're located on the other end of the state from him. We're up in the western part of the uh, state in the mountains, so we actually get first crack at the water, so our water is much better than theirs. <laughs> um, we uh, started in 94, 1994. We've been in business 18 years. We, up until recently, we're the largest craft brewery in the state, and with Sierra Nevada and New Belgium, all those guys coming in, we're going to be the smallest one, probably. <laughs> uh, small is good. Small is good. Um, what you're getting ready to drink now is Thunderstruck Coffee Porter. Uh, this came about on our little pilot system. We have a 50-barrel system uh, is our main main system and we do about 30,000 barrels a year off of that um, and then to play around with different formulations we have a little three barrel system that we you know just try funky stuff because it's a lot easier to dump three barrels than it is 50 barrels um, 
So the, the way this came about is one of my brewers decided he was going to go off and start his own business as a coffee roaster. And uh, we were kicking around the idea of doing a coffee beer. So we tried this on, a, on the three-barrel system. And he uses organic coffee and roasts it all himself. And, you know, most of the stuff we tried to source locally, other than the grain. Um, and went so well in their tasting room uh, on the three-barrel system, we decided to go with the big system and uh, came out with this. Uh, it's about 6% alcohol, 5, 8, 6% is what it ended up. Uh, there's about three pounds of cof coffee per barrel. And... Uh, I've been told if you drink three of them, you get all jacked up, so I don't know. And where is the coffee sourced from? Uh, where did he get that from? South America somewhere. I can't from remember. From South America. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember exactly. Yeah, it tastes where, really rich. Yeah. Um, and he, because he roasted, you know, we could play around with a different roast to come up with the right, right flavor that we were looking for to, to go with the grain bill. Uh, what is the grain bill on this? The, the darkness comes from a... a called uh, Midnight Wheat from Brees. Uh, and that way you get the dark roast, on the, on, but you don't have the astringency that you do with roasted barley because uh, of the husks. Uh, and it, it makes it smooth, a lot smoother. Um, we intentionally left a lot of the bittering hops out um, just because we knew the, the coffee itself would add some bitterness to it. And uh, we put some noble hops, uh, Hirschbrucker hops, uh, as a flavoring and, and at the end to give it a spicy note to go along with the coffee. I don't know if you can pick it up. It's pretty, so these are German, German yeah. hops that yeah. you're using. Yeah, it's pretty okay. subtle. Um, but that's, that's that. That's that beer. What do you think of this one? Do you like this one? We, yeah. Uh, the way he, he just asked a good question about yes, how we did the coffee. That? We did coffee two ways. Um, one, we, we have a hop back that we ran it through on the hot side. And then uh, we key. also cold, cold, uh, what is it called? Cold, cold, cold pressed, yeah. cold pressed Overnight, coffee. And then uh -huh. put that in, in the beer uh, when it was already conditioned. Uh, so. And what other types of beers do you make? What other styles? We're mostly an ale house. Uh, our flagship is Gaelic Ale, and we also have uh, Oatmeal Porter, uh, IPA, you know, the usual the usual run of the mill. How but many it, how many beers do you have do, normally on tap? We do five regular beers on tap. We do four seasonals, and then we do Cold Mountain uh, in the fall, and that's a spiced beer, uh, vanilla, core or vanilla and. Uh, Is that a dark beer? Like that. What's that? Is that a dark beer? Kind of. Yes. Yeah, okay. Medium colored. Uh huh. <laughs> Uh, and we're also in we're in seven states. We do go up to Northern Virginia. We're not in D.C. yet. We will. You're be. not in P.A. yet. No, no we're not. Dag nabbit. <laughs> the uh, Stouts wanted us to come up there too, and it's like, no, thank you. We don't want to compete with them. But yeah, but we just love our beer. Yeah. So, any questions? No questions yet. Okay, well, let's move to the next beer. Yeah, so the <clears throat> next beer will be a dark one again. Um, while they're poured out, I'll say a few things about myself. Uh, my name's Sebastian. I'm the director of brewing, uh, Nettergreens Brewing Company in Greensboro, North Carolina. 
We are basically direct neighbors to Foothills, just one town over. Very similar story. Got also started with only a brew pub in 2004. Um, been a good year, 2004. Duck Rabbit got started the same year. It's sort of interesting how we all sort of grew up together in that sense. <clears throat> and then, uh, uh, just out of a weird request uh, from the local ballpark, who just opened in downtown Greensboro at the time, uh, delivered some beer to the ballpark. And um, and the way that went is we didn't have enough kegs to eat, you know, serve beer outside of our brew pub. And so uh, we were completely overwhelmed the first year. Uh, it was our Buckshot Ember at the time that went to the ballpark. That basically somebody was picking up the empty kegs at the game while the game was going on to bring them back to the pub, to fill them off the tank, to bring them back out. And uh, <clears throat> fairly traumatic for some brewers, as you can imagine. But it led to uh, the, the two owners uh, to open a production brewery in 2007. And then in 2010, we added a second brew pub in, in, in downtown Raleigh. So we're basically a two brew pub, one production brewery operation. Uh, last year, we made 9,200 barrels, and uh, the third largest in the state, um, right after Foothills and Red Oak. And, um, for now. Uh, Foothills, sorry. <laughs> Highland, Highland Brewing Company, exactly for now. Highland Brewing Company and Red Oak. And... Um, yeah, North Carolina as a state, just a few words to that, has really exploded. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you have sort of kept track of it, but in 2005, when we all had just opened, uh, a law got changed, and then uh, very quickly, uh, breweries started opening up and breweries weren't planning. And uh, so from the mid-20s, we're now up over 60, and then... Uh, you know, as a surprise, the larger brewers have now, you know, found us a good brewing community and are moving in. So, so that's sort of that. Um, so what you're tasting here today is the uh, our Imperial Stout. O originally, again, just brewed for the brew pub. Um, a, a, you know, classic Russian-style Imperial Stout. Um, uh, we didn't add anything special to it in that sense. Uh, there's uh, challengers, the, the early bittering, and uh, goldings are the, the late bittering in that beer. And uh, uh, right in 2007, 2008, we had it as one of our packaged beers when we first got into bottling. And, uh, but due to uh, increasing demand, as we all have, and we constantly keep running out of capacity, we, that was one of the beers that got scratched. Um, to tighten the, our portfolio a little bit. And, uh, and so now it only goes once a year into a limited series called the Seller Series, what you're trying today. And so it, it, it's got, it's became rare, basically. That's how, how I would put it. And um, yeah, so much to that. So do you have other beers in your Seller Series then? Yeah, so uh, today we're actually pouring, down at the floor, we're pouring a Baltic Porter which you also did. Um, we uh, also, earlier this year, released a, a double, a Belgian double, in that cellar series. Um, if anybody's around, August 10th is our eight year anniversary in Greensboro. Be a huge party um, with music and, uh, and, and sections of downtown blocked off. Um, and uh, there'll be a release of a sour ale. Um, we are, you know, 
we've been, we've had a sour air program, you know, Brett Brett sour beer program since 2005. Uh, the the head brewer at the brew pub uh, brought this with him from Colorado, and uh, and um, you know, so you know, very quietly we say we're the authority on sour ales in North Carolina for now at least. Um, but this has gotten a style that's really popular, and well, you know, all these sour beers are being tried out by other folks in the state at this point. So, but yeah, it's a it, that would be even more limited. But the, because of that, uh, there was nothing available at the time. Otherwise, I would have brought that. Um, we won best of show last year at the, at the local beer competition, and uh, that'll be released on that on that anniversary date. Probably only two, three hundred bottles. It's uh, you know. Similar to TL, we we you know we have a couple of bales on racks and that sort of it, and and uh, we'll we'll do with that until you know we move to a new location, maybe start a bell room. But and um, yeah, and other than that, we are similar to the others, uh, mainly strictly ale house. We have uh, three ales, yeast strains at the brewery: a London style, an American style, and then a Belgian style, um, a Whitbeer strain, and and those make up all of our core beers and then for seasonals and specialties we'll bring in we'll bring in you know the yeast strains to make that so what do you do with the brett i mean you know brett is notorious for possibly contaminating other parts do you super clean do you only brew on certain days with the brett or no, i mean what what's the deal it's you know it's as I said, it's uh, it's four wine barrels currently, so it's it's not a whole lot. And we do what everybody else does, I guess. You know, we have separate equipment. It's all marked. It disappears most of the year until we touch those barrels. Um, and uh, those barrels live in the warehouse, quite a ways away from our regular production, to not get into any cross contamination. That's for sure. Yeah. So. Um you have, do you have, am I right in interpreting that you have two places? Or is there one place no, that where so you No, so it's beer? actually three locations. Uh, three locations, so okay. So there's two brew pub locations and then a separate location with just a production brewery. Um, both brew pub locations are in a, in a downtown area. There's no, no room for actual you know, packaging of any sort on a larger scale, so... So, uh, but our brew pubs are fairly large. We uh, sell about 1,200 bales um, out of the Greensboro location, a little less in Raleigh. But um, they, uh, they, uh, two years ago, they made over 25% of the total volume we sold. We've now left that behind us. But um, you know, so the the brew pubs is sort of where where you come home to to Natty Greens, the brand. Uh, it's it's a great ambassador for for your beers if you if you have a brew pub and. That's how we treat it. So you f you um, serve food, obviously. Do all of you serve food with your beers, or no? You're the only one that you have a brew pub as well. Go ahead. Yeah, we uh, we have a brew pub in downtown Winston, and obviously, you know, we serve food. But um, at the production facility, we do not. Um, we eventually are going to go the route with that facility that these two guys do with tasting rooms. Uh, but there will be no, no food at that. Uh, honestly, you know, I mean, in my mind, they took a bit off a lot with a second restaurant, uh, and uh, we just—I I don't think we'll open another full-blown restaurant. I just 
Do well, all of you give tours or any of you give tours to your uh, facilities? We do right now, um, but uh, it's pretty much you just, they're not scheduled. You walk in, if we can give you one, we give you one. If we, if we can't, we don't. We have a tap room that's open, that's connected to the brewery, uh, that's open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then on Saturdays, we have uh, tours that start at 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. So, uh, and then like the Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we don't open until about 4 o'clock. So, um, and it's just, we have some windows that you can see our barrel room in. And then there's another window at the end of the hallway that you can see our canning line. So you can see some operations going on if we're canning or doing something with barrels uh, but for the most part on on Saturday uh, we're just closed down at that point and either one of us one of the brewers or me or a seller person will uh, do the back-to-back -to -back tours uh, all day for the most part so I think the busier and busier that we get we're gonna have to have somebody that's full-time tour guide because all of us are busy enough through the week that we are now taking a Saturday, you know, away from free time or family to do that. So the, I think towards probably the end of the year, we're just going to have to get into a full-time tour guide and, and have our Saturdays free. So. Did you hear that? He loves giving his free time away to his customers. So let's go on down. John, how about you? We have a tours Monday through Saturday at four o'clock and then by appointment and then our tasting rooms open Thursday, Friday and Saturday from four to eight. Uh, reason why we close it at eight is so that people go out and visit the bars that do carry our beer because we're not in the bar business, we're in a production business. Um, we have the, you know, all the special things off our three barrel system at the tasting room. And then Friday and Saturday night we have music. Uh, we've got a, some really nice stages and things like that. But what's that? The no -seums? No, that's the outdoor. <laughs> we have an indoor and an outdoor stage. Um, stage? And the music is free. Uh, generally, if we have a big, big band or something like that, we might have some small cover charge. But uh, Sounds like fun. How about you, Sebastian? Well, we do, uh, similar to uh, Foothills, we have uh, at our brew pubs, it's pretty much you come in and if somebody's available, even sometimes the managers can walk people through at least, but um, there's no set time set. We don't we don't have a dedicated person, and um, and the production brewery we we the plan was to open a tap room and you know do something more comprehensive, but we we've grown so quickly that this plan has been sort of put to the back burner, put to the back burner, and we're looking for a new building already, so uh, it's not going to happen this time around. So. Looking for a new building already. Wow. That's awesome. Are there questions? Do we have any questions? Hold on. I was just uh, curious. Um, so this is a salon for beers from North Carolina, and obviously some of you have been around longer than others, and now we find out that there are major you know, brewing companies moving to the state. What are the changes that have taken place that have sort of enabled this to to become, you know, to have a salon about beers from North Carolina? Are there legislative, is it cultural, what's, what's happened? Well, so, I guess the, the first big thing that I always 
refer to as 2005 when the uh, pop, when the cap was popped, as, as they say. So beforehand, you were only allowed to brew beers up to 6% of alcohol in North Carolina. So that went away, and that basically, you know, in many ways, is probably why there's all now 60 breweries. And, uh, and then in general, the state is fairly uh, uh, you know, flexible and quick to change laws. Uh, we had laws changed to, for Sierra Nevada to come to the state uh, w within a matter of a week. So um, that, that sort of, I think, reflects a lot about you know, the, the, how well set up the state is for craft brewers in general and how much the, you know, the, the legislature is working um, with us, I guess, in many ways. And then, and then I think the state also has a very good mix of um, sort of areas where there's a lot of universities, a lot of you know startup businesses, Research Triangle Park, and then tourism. You know, Asheville, Little Mountains area, the the you know the water. There's a, a various factors that bring people to the state or people move to the state, and uh, and then paired with a, a tremendous food community that has has grown over the past ten years. Um, is, uh, yeah, I think all these factors that have sort of led to, you know, basically as we all got into brewing more and more and our businesses grew, uh, you know, every little town started a farmer's market. It, it's sort of all these things go hand in hand a little bit. You mentioned the water. Tell me about all of you. I'd like to hear a little bit about the water in North Carolina. Is there a particular water or water source that you use that is distinctive? compared to the rest of this country? I've got just a two cent on that, but you know, John already made the comment that you know, he sees his water before I do. But um, you know, obviously it's a major, major part of the liquid that we drink that is beer. So water plays a huge factor, and this is just my, my guess. So if somebody's gonna choose a location, um, what do they have to add to that water to get that water where they want it to be? So if you're spending, if you go to a spot and you're spending, you know, via your, your chemicals and your additions to change that water to what you want it to be, or do you move to a spot that um, already has, uh, you know, that's rich in this and that and, and water and you don't have to chemically change it, uh, I think that's a huge factor more than people really think it is. So I would assume, and I don't know, but I would assume when they sent somebody out from New Belgium and Sierra Nevada, those were the first things on their mind. And probably the second would be is their incentives to come into the state. Is the state going to give us you know, money to be here? Is there enough land and infrastructure and trucking and what's the closest interstate and blah, blah, blah. Um, those are like my take if I had a huge brewery where would I want to go? What would I want to have there for me to move a huge facility like these two huge brewing companies have? So that's my take on water, but John might be able to add a couple of things to it. Go on, John, yeah, let's hear it. That, that was one of the reasons why both of them moved there. We have extremely soft water up in the mountains. Um, like and, Pilsen? I'm sorry? Like Pilsen? Like Pilsen? Pilsen? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's very soft. Uh, you can you can make whatever kind of water you want to out of it by adding the calcium to it or you know sulfites or whatever to make any particular style of beer you really want. Um, 
the other other thing that brought them into our area is the uh, lifestyle and the just the whole um, mountains and all that stuff is, is very similar to where they're coming from. So their employees were very thrilled to, you know, come into something like that. But water was their first first thing that they looked at. And like you said, then the incentives and all that other stuff. And you four have all this going on without even trying. It's just something that it was where you were from, uh, it was, all it of was you? A, it was a struggle. At, back in 94, it was a big struggle to get craft brewing in there. Um, and then through a lot of education, uh, which is one thing that our our consumers are not short on is, you know, they're well-educated with beer. And I think that also helps us. What do you do, what do all of you do to educate your consumers on beer? Do you have beer tastings? Do you have women's beer clubs? Do you have beer and food dinners, um, tastings in, the, in your tasting rooms? All of the above. All of the above. All of the above and festivals and things like that. We have uh, workshops at our place that we do. Uh, we, we have the homebrew club uh, deeply involved in everything that we do. So. We, also, uh, we also do a uh, beer school. Um, we, um, it's like 10 bucks. You come in. Um, it's literally a 90-minute uh, class. That uh, includes, uh, you know, obviously sampling, uh, brewery tour, all that. Um, but uh, it's been real successful. Um, how uh, often? How often do you do these beer schools? Uh, we do and it. How it long are they? You know, we we have minimum groups for it, and uh, you know, it's not always, uh, you know, one group per se. I mean, if we can get enough people interested, uh, normally, I mean, we'll do it for as few as ten, but we limit it to twenty, because um, uh, twenty people when you're when there's beer involved and that kind of stuff can, uh, you know, 20 people's plenty to try to <laughs> deal with. Um, but, uh, you know, we take them through the whole brewing process, show them the equipment, you know, uh, they uh, get tasting stuff. Uh, the biggest customer, customers, I think, for that have been local bars. They bring their uh, bar staffs in there and uh, they'll pay for all their wait staff and bartenders. Um, in fact, uh, the, there's a chain in the state, Carolina Alehouse, um, and they brought, not all at once, but uh, brought all of their bartenders and servers through our beer school. It took about a week to get them all through, but um, so that's, you know, and then like John said, just homebrew clubs and that kind of stuff. So Very commendable. John? One, one of the other things that we do, uh, and I forgot to mention it when we were talking about the uh, Thunderstruck, all our seasonals we name after mountaintops that have some sort of endangered species or something on it. We're uh, partnered in with uh, Southern Appalachian Highland Conservancy and the Fish and Wildlife. So what we'll do is we'll come up with a, a seasonal and we'll find a mountaintop that the, the two, uh, two of those guys and we want to focus on and uh, name it after that, and then we'll have a hike. Uh, that's open to the public, whoever wants to go hike up to that mountain. Um, and of course, we drink beer on the way up there. And so the these are all North Carolina mountains also? Yeah, they're all North Carolina mountains. They're all in With the endangered part of species. The state. Um, and beer. Boy, that yeah. goes together well. So that's, that's another way we educate the public. We have a big uh, section in our tasting room of the, uh, of the environmental issues that they're facing because we have a lot of problems with acid rain in our area, you know, that are just devastating. 
uh, the mountaintops. So. Sebastian, do you have anything uh, also, Natty Greens? Oh. What happens when you run out Josh. of mountaintops? You go again. I guess we'll have to move west coast. I'll add in like beer dinners, tastings at grocery stores, things like that that oh, we're allowed those? to do. But beer dinners is obviously a very captive audience that helps totally just like this. So do all uh, of you beer go dinners beer are a big dinners? thing. Do any of you go to beer dinners here? Yes. Uh, one little thing I might add that has a lot to do with education, but it's a small, small thing. We are, uh, at our brew pubs, we have uh, bottled beer that seems very little around of the, you know, big brewers. As we serve the general public, you know, some people, even though they come to a brew pub, they would like to have a, you know, a light beer of sorts. And what we do then is, is our little educational moment is, at the same time as they get the bottle, we'll bring them a sample of our lightest, our golden ale, and slowly try and convert one at a time. Very nice. Are there any more questions? Oh, here's one. It seems like you guys know each other um, because you're from the same state, but I, I, I'm just curious as far as your interaction with other breweries in other states, how, how, how far does it go? I mean, is it southeast or nationwide? Question similar along the same lines, I guess, is y your interaction between each other. So, collaborative brews seem like they're becoming more and more popular these days, especially with the bigger breweries, I guess. But, but I guess along the lines of every brewery, have you guys discussed any kind of collaborative brews, or have you guys ever worked together on certain brew, different beers? Yeah, we do one um, with uh, Old Hickory Brewing Company of uh, Hickory, North Carolina, and uh, Duck Rabbit Brewing in Farmville. Um, we take all three of our imperial stouts and uh, age them in uh, Pappy Van Winkle bourbon barrels and then blend it. And uh, it's, uh, it's Old Hickory Brewing, Duck Rabbit Brewing, and Foothills, and it's called Old Rabbit's Foot. Um, so uh, we do that. I guess this will be the fourth year of that. Um, and, you know, there's always discussion about it. I know uh, we've mentioned, I've mentioned at least these two guys uh, through just various conversations. Now, has anything came of that yet? Not yet. But that doesn't mean, you know, I know. We've talked uh, with these guys about doing a, uh, there is a brew pub south of us in High Point, North Carolina, Liberty Brewing. And um, their brewer down there, uh, he you know, he's a frequent visitor at our pub and vice versa. Uh, and, um, you know, we've talked about, you know, the three. We're in an area known as the Triad um, in the middle of the state. And uh, we've talked about doing like a Triad beer. Um, and then John and I have kicked around the idea a couple of times of, you know, like me coming up to the three-barrel system he was talking about and stuff like that. But now, has anything come of that? No, we're all busy. Uh, Right, everybody's everybody's kind of, you know, I mean, I love my job, but when I start clicking at 60 a week, I'm kind of like, you know, man, uh, my, my six-year-old daughter doesn't understand that, so, um, but yeah, and I mean, I think you'll see more and more of that coming out of our state, uh, especially as people actually get a little breathing room. Um, I know John and them are working on a packaging hall. Uh, we are still getting our feet under us on a production facility, you know, they're finding one, 
You know, that kind of, I mean, that kind of stuff's got to get, you know, collaborations are fun, they're great, but they're also, you got to make beer first, so. Well, I think that just about wraps it up. We want to thank TL, the brewer for Foothills Brewing Company. Josh Brewer, the brewer at Mother Earth Brewing. John Lida at Highland Brewing. And Sebastian Wolfram from Natty Greens Brewing Company. And thank all of you for coming and for giving us your time, for coming to Savor and the Brewers Association, of course, and their sponsors for having us. So let's give these gentlemen a huge round of applause for an absolutely great night. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for listening to this Savor Salon. Craft Beer Radio is a mostly weekly beer podcast where we attempt to educate and entertain. If you haven't heard our podcast, we invite you to find us on iTunes or go to our website at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Please visit craftbeerradio.com for more information.